Hello and welcome back once again to the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast. This is episode 109. John and Wendy, welcome Wendy. And, well, I don't welcome Wendy, sorry. <laughs> Let's do it again. Yeah, we hope we can get the first 30 seconds done. There you go. <laughs> that's right, that's right. And leave this in too. Leave this all in. Uh, you know I'll Hard do it. Yeah, that's the beauty of me Come doing on. it. Hello and welcome back once again to the HR Social Hour Happy Hour Okay. Yeah, you think I've done it a few times in the last right, year? Hey, everybody! You me Welcome to the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast. Uh, this is your guest host. My name's Steve Bose. Great to be here. I'm joined by John this, and Wendy. How are you guys doing today? This is going to be the greatest this opening awesome. ever that nobody's ever expected. Welcome, Steve. So yes, welcome, welcome, Steve and Trish from the HR Happy Hour to this show. It's going. It's it's a morning recording. That's what we're going to blame it on, right? And and maybe a little bit of flam, fanboy fluster on my end. <laughs> Wendy, how are you doing today? I I'm well. It is a beautiful March morning. We say this all the time. We don't talk about the weather, but I am so happy that it's been such a mild winter. I'm just going to say that. It's been the best Girl Scout cookie season that just ended. I haven't had to buy hot chocolate for everybody. I haven't had to buy hot hands for everybody. Interesting you say that with all the weather as it's been. It's also been an interesting year for us uh, when it comes to some of the uh, unfortunate illnesses and things that are going around. And it's really jacked up people's schedules, for lack of a better word, a nice word. I know your your event, the HRD Summit, got postponed back. And and when is it happening now? Um, It's going to be the end of October. So that should be plenty of time for everyone to get well and and be able to go. I don't know that I will be able to go because I think it's at the same time as another conference, um, which is unfortunate, but that's just kind of how it goes, I guess, you know, Um, but I I do have to say, I appreciate how easy it's been to reschedule stuff. So I I do appreciate, you know, shout out to Delta for um, texting me at, uh, 10:30 last night to help get my flight changed over to something else. So um, that was that was um, odd uh, trying to do that half asleep via text, but it worked out. I got everything, got that flight changed over to San Diego. So hopefully San Diego will still happen. Fingers crossed. Yeah. It's still a few months out, and then <laughs> we were fortunate enough. We had this conversation during our uh, Twitter chat yep. this past week, and hopefully, people picked up some good pointers. Again, it's been an interesting time. You know, I w- I'm getting ready to do a job fair where we've told everybody it's not a handshake; it's an <laughs> elbow, bump. elbow bump. And you know, in the 20 years I've been doing this, I can't imagine going to a job fair and not shaking hands. Right. That's the reality we're in now. The kid and play kid. Well, we've talked. I saw that earlier. Yeah, oh, I like that. <laughs> I, I'm going to remember that. I'm going to remember that. Try and do that. What you know? They say you meet the average average what 40, 45 people at a job yeah. fair. If I try to do that to forty five people, I cannot imagine some of them. They're following like workman's comp claims. They're telling I did something bad. Listen, oh, I, as I yeah. mentioned, as I bumbled through the opening, which <laughs> highly embarrassed. You know, this is a bit of a fanboy it moment is. for me. And me. You know, l- l- let's kind of step back, peel the peel the curtain back for a minute. You know, when we launched two years ago, we talked a lot about. HR podcasts in general and listen to a lot of shows and who's doing it. And, and, you know, as I say, Trish and Steve are the OGs of these, of this thing, particularly Steve. I mean, he launched HR happy hour 10 years ago, a million plus downloads. 
I don't need to say anything else. <laughs> I'm going to let you make the introduction and we will get started. Yeah, this is one that we've been looking forward to and, and wanting to do for quite some time. So first, I'm going to welcome Steve Bose to the show. He is the program chair and host of the HR Technology Conference, the leading global event for the HR technology industry and a technology columnist for Human Resource Executive Magazine. Additionally, Steve co-founded H3 HR Advisors, Inc., and is a frequent author and speaker on human resources, HR technology, and the workplace. He also created and co-hosts the popular podcast, the HR Happy Hour Show, which is the most downloaded HR podcast since its inception in 2019, and in 2017, launched the HR Happy Hour Show on Alexa, the first HR podcast for Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. So welcome, Steve. And of course, you can't have Steve without Trish. Welcome, Trish, to the show. She is the CEO and Principal Analyst of H3 HR Advisors. Trish is a former HR executive, HCM product leader, and analyst with over 20 years of experience in big four public accounting, PR, healthcare, manufacturing, and IT. She is the author of the popular HR Ringleader blog and co-host of the most listened HR industry podcast, The HR Happy Hour. Trish recently released her 2019 HCM Trends Report, where she and her colleagues with the HR Federation identified where the industry is headed. So again, welcome Steve and Trish. This is the social hour meeting the happy hour. So of course we have to talk about what's in your glass, which probably isn't that interesting since it's, you know, in the morning, it's AM, but five o'clock somewhere. (laughs) Well, thank you. Thanks for having us on the show. Yes. Thank you very much. Great to be here. Anything interesting in your glass tonight, this morning? (laughs) Well, I, Okay, so it is morning, so I, I kind of have a, a two-glass routine, actually. I start out with a little Nespresso in the morning, which I have right here in my hand. And then I also am ready for the very next drink, which is is black tea with Rabina in it. So for anybody who doesn't drink Rabina, it's like concentrated black currant, which I love. So that's what's in my glass. Steve, how about you? Uh, I have made it a personal kind of uh, policy that I don't drink anything that does not have either caffeine or alcohol in it. That's just a rule of thumb. So right now I am on, I'm still on the caffeine portion of the day. I'm drinking black coffee. That works. Good brand, or is it just like plain? Like I no made it myself uh, in my coffee brand. maker uh, this morning. I believe it was. I think it's Starbucks. I don't remember. It was. Oh, I was gonna say like Folgers guy or something. I'm sorry, we're taking over. No, the show. We can't do that. <laughs> no, but I, I do have some emergency like those those uh, instant crystal things. Uh, oh, available. Folgers, yeah, uh, somewhere. I don't know. Okay, Steve, save it for your uh, HR coffee talk podcast later, please. (laughs) Well, you got to, if you're a camper, you have to have some of the instant stuff just in case nothing else works when you're, you know, without electricity. But good point. Yep. But that's HR coffee talk. So, again, different topic. HR camping. (laughs) Different show. show. (laughs) (laughs) Talk about super niche. I I don't know who's going to be listening to that, but. You know, know, we always ask folks when they first come on, how did you each both get into HR to begin with? And then Steve, what led you to start the whole idea of podcasting this many years ago? And and then Trish, how did you end up signing up and joining? 
Uh, I come from the technology world. I, I was in finance and accounting for a long time, got into enterprise technology uh, after that, and did a number of implementations uh, from companies I worked for. I did some consulting and kind of then migrated or, or drifted over into the uh, HR technology side of the enterprise technology stack. So my intro or my experience really largely and still with HR and, and workforce issues comes from a technology point of view. And then, you know, over time, got into some other things, got into the event space and got into media. As you mentioned, the podcast um, podcast started in 2009, mainly because I was teaching as an adjunct a class in HR technology at the time, which I did for a few years back in that, that time frame. And there were no real solid textbooks available to me were really solid sources of information that I felt that were at least mostly unbiased. It was it's early days. Blogging was still pretty new. And most of the content that was available to me for the class was a lot of vendor-created stuff, which some of it was very good, actually, but not all of it. And so we created the, I created the show as just a means to provide content and uh, learning opportunities for the students in the class. That's how it started. It morphed over time into some other things into what it is now, which is what we just refer to as the HR Happy Hour podcast. At the time, it's certainly not what I was thinking about when I started it. But uh, so it was started. It was started that way back in two thousand and nine, and it has continued really in the same same host, same domain, same name all that time. So that that's how it started. Yeah. So for me, I I didn't know what I wanted to be. Um, I thought I wanted to be a DEA agent. That was really what I was going for. I love the idea of investigation, actually and was pretty good at it. And I'm, I'm good with talking with people and kind of getting them to trust me and share information. So that was kind of my mindset in college. And I accidentally had an interaction where I met my dad's HR manager. Um, he worked in manufacturing. And so I just, I don't know if it was her specifically, it probably was her and what she was doing. I literally like in that moment knew, I'm like, I have to be an HR professional. That's what I want to do. And I think I was already a junior in college. So I finished out my degree in sociology and political science and immediately, you know, decided I needed a master's in HR management so that I could do that job. And that just really kind of set the wheels in motion. I worked in corporate HR for a very long time, like almost a career's worth and loved it and kind of came into the the podcasting world and social very accidentally because I think it was probably 2008, maybe seven or eight. And I was working at a PR firm and they asked me to um, create some courses for a corporate university, one of which was blogging, one was podcasting, one was Twitter, LinkedIn. All these things were fairly new. We didn't know how to use them for business. So just by trying to learn on my own is how I stumbled upon Steve on Twitter and, and the people he had just, I think, had just started or was just doing the first or second episode, maybe. So I was total fangirl. I, I started listening in because I had very little babies. I had twins that were still quite little. I wasn't networking or getting out. And it was my way of kind of networking after they went to bed. It was late enough at night that I could dial in. And I was like meeting, e-meeting all of these people that I was seeing on Twitter or on blogs, you know, Chris Dunn or Lance Hahn or, you know, some of the people that are quite well known now, but, but back then it was really a different environment. So yeah, I, I met Steve that way. And, um, it probably wasn't until, I don't know, a, almost a year later that I started meeting people in person, uh, at HR tech. I love where social media has been able to take people 
um, as far as networking and, and meeting. And, and it's really opened up a lot of doors. Um, since I've been on social media, I've really been in sparsely populated states, Montana, South Dakota. So it's a great way to know that there's more to uh, HR than just, uh, you know, just who's in your um, immediate network in your area or I work for a larger corporation, so you kind of end up staying within your own four walls sometimes. So it's good to get out and, and meet others. So, yeah, you guys are definitely the OGs when it comes to podcasting and connecting online and all of that, which is fantastic. I, I absolutely love it. And, and Trish, one of my best friends is a DEA agent. Um, so I'll have to tell her she can um, just kind of... My job, Shadow. <laughs> She's in North Carolina, so we could probably make some sort of hookup um, when you're out with the out at visiting Steve. So <laughs> I was gonna say I'm supposed to um, I'm supposed to be going there for spring break, and let's, uh, let's I don't know the, with coronavirus. Let's just keep let's be. keep that address uh, out of there. Yeah, Steve does uh, not live in North Carolina. Whoever the yeah. DEA agent is, right? <laughs> I'm moving around a little bit. No, you're right, Wendy. I mean, I think that it, you're right about social. I think it's, um, especially for HR, at least I've always felt like an island, even though I worked in really great companies and big companies, you know, it's, you can be friendly with people, but you're never quite part of, you're, you're always kind of excluded you're a little bit on the outside and, and there isn't really HR for HR. And I'll tell you, that's really I had to boil it down. That's what I view everyone in my HR you know, community online, they're my HR people. They're the ones mm-hmm. that, that tell me what to do. And even like I mentioned Lance Hahn, you know, his blog used to be the eight, what my HR guy.com, I think. And, you know, he was in his early twenties and, and I had been in business much longer, but he became my HR guy just off of social media. So I think you yeah. can absolutely make some real connections that actually add quite a bit of value to your, to your daily work, whether that's in corporate or, you know, independently or, or whatnot. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, one of the things we love about being able to do this with other podcasters is talking about podcasting. We don't get to do that very often, but we do have to talk about HR as well. So what changes have you guys seen in the world of work over the last 10 years that get you excited about the profession and keep you excited? And what do you see as the next big thing we'll be discussing soon? Uh, I I can comment on that. For for, for me, since I take mostly a technology point of view or approach to most of these things. I think the last 10 years, maybe extend out to, to 12 or 14, have seen some pretty significant changes and uh, improvements, advancements in uh, HR workplace technologies that have had pretty significant impact on lots of workplaces, mainly the migration of most enterprise HR and workplace technologies to cloud-based uh, provision and delivery. And then Shortly after that, the kind of widespread adoption, uh, availability first, and then adoption of mobile technologies for HR and workplace functions and for uh, empowering people, uh, employees, managers, really anyone in the organization to have ability to access information, process transactions, make decisions, uh, work kind of from anywhere, right, in a really productive capacity. I think that those two developments, uh, migration uh, to cloud delivery and uh, followed by the widespread adoption of mobile technologies, when you combine those two together, it creates, and it's ongoing, right? And there's still a lot of kind of blue ocean here, but it, it creates opportunities for people and organizations kind of of all sizes 
all uh, technological proficiencies and uh, becomes a real uh, democratizing agent. When I came up through enterprise technology, first on the finance and accounting side, and then migrated over to the HR and payroll side, for a really long time, only the largest, most well-funded, most well-equipped, most highly sophisticated IT environments had access to what was at the time leading edge or cutting edge or the best technology, right? It was was very expensive. It was difficult to run. You needed your own staff really to maintain it. And uh, before cloud, right, you had to run it on your own servers typically, or you could you could pay someone to run it for you, which is also difficult. And that's all changing, right, with cloud and then slash mobile uh, availability of these technologies to improve uh, our ability to to get work done, to collaborate, to share information, to learn. I think that's the most significant change from my perspective. Now, again, Trish will have more of an HR probably answer to this perhaps than I will, uh, although she's uh, just as much a technology expert as I. But uh, for me, that's the thing. That's that's if you say what's different about HR and workplaces from 2009, 2010 to today, that's the most significant thing from my point of view. Well, I, you know, I'll just add on, you're right. It is going to have a little bit more of an HR spin because it's, um, I, I think the technologies that you're talking about absolutely enable what I would see as, as more the focus. And I think, you know, for the last more than 10 years, we've been talking about um, distributed workforces. And so I can remember being very early in my career, uh, say, you know, late 90s, where we were talking about gosh, it'd be great if I could work from home for a day, a half day, whatever. And it was always like pulling teeth. Well, that's been a slow process of actually figuring out what jobs could be done, not just from home, but remote. Absolutely mobile technologies and acceptance of technologies in the cloud and and all of that have helped build that opportunity for people. But I think there's still been a slow move from a cultural perspective on whether or not we trust our people, how are we going to communicate with our people? And so, it's interesting. Um, I was I was speaking with some of the other analysts that I work with, and we were talking about the importance of distributed workforce. And while we're kind of in this midst of the coronavirus, you know, outbreak and what's going to happen with that, which could be a whole nother show. But my point being that maybe one of the good things that will come out of that particular horrific thing will be that companies are being forced to allow people to work from home, allow them to work remote, right? So kind of a, a weird disruption uh, to cause it. But I think that we might find that once people actually start doing it um, in mass or more in mass, we'll, we'll see if the technologies then do in fact support that. And I'm wondering if this is going to be kind of the shift. And my other quick comment would just be, you know, I am an HR kind of geek to the core and I I always look at how do we pay people. And so for me, it's the disruptions that we're seeing in payroll over these past 10 years and and really in this last year and heading into the next year, because, you know, there there have been years where people really want to to be paid uh, when they want to be paid. They want on-demand pay. They want other options of how to get paid. They want more visibility and transparency and pay equity. And so technology has finally gotten us to the point where the companies are having those capabilities. And now, again, culture is slower than the technology, but we're getting there. So I'm seeing lots and lots of movement in the way that we're looking at pay, which is really exciting to me. Definitely. I, I love seeing where the technology has um, allowed things to change and allowed, a, allowed us to move things forward a little bit more quickly. The, the work remote, um, you know, my office does right now we're, we're allowed one day per week to work remotely. We do a lot of Skype. We're in 
we're nationwide. So we have to be able to talk to people throughout the nation. So you can't just fly off to, for an hour meeting in Oregon. (laughs) Right. So you have to be able to use the technology that's there. So I, I think that's, that's exciting. And, you know, one of the pitfalls I see is, you know, we, we get some of this great technology, we'll update HCMs and that sort of thing, but you don't turn on all the bells and whistles. You kind of turn on some of them. What are some things that we as HR professionals can do to um, kind of push that forward to turn on more of the tech? Because we, you know, we implement it, we turn, flip the button, turn it on, and then say, oh, we'll get to that later. We'll get to the fun stuff later. Can I take that one, Steve? Yeah, go right ahead. So actually, it's interesting because I kind of have it from two angles. So I've both been in HR, but then I've also, you know, worked for a vendor, uh, you know, leading HCM there. So um, I see it from both sides. So my first advice is like, we always were, were in our technology solution, whatever that is. It doesn't even matter. It doesn't even have to be your HR solution, quite frankly. But whatever the, the systems are that you're using, you're possibly not the person that made that decision to buy it. You're possibly coming into this where you, you know, you're inheriting some of these things. So my first advice of if you're in that role, please meet with your vendors before you think like, oh, this, this is a piece of crap. Um, you know, we need to get rid of it. It happens all the time, all the time where people say, oh, my technology is so bad. No, go have like, I would say having maybe annual might be too much, but an annual audit, every two-year audit, something like that with your vendor to actually say, okay, what are the features that we have toggled on, toggled off? Because you're right, when you when you implement something, you usually don't go full on, right? You've made some some decisions. And again, if you're talking three or four years in the past, uh, your, your needs have changed, your culture might have evolved, whatever. So number one, if you've inherited something or you weren't the buyer, please, please, please meet with your, your solution, you know, uh, account rep or something and and go through what are the features and functionalities. And then secondly, if you are someone who is in buying mode, make sure that you build out a plan of, okay, we're going to turn on these certain features and functions to begin with. Write that down somewhere. Keep track of that. Distribute that to the team so that if you leave or if you get promoted out of it and you're doing something else, that someone else has that frame of reference of here's what we decided to do and why almost like a little guidebook for the next person, because that way then they can go through that step of, okay, what else can we toggle on or off? And even, you know, we were at, uh, Steve and I were at an event just the other day in Las Vegas, and we were telling some CHROs, it was kind of a group of about 50 of them. It was, you know, here we are, we're talking about, you know, a, a virus that that is widespread. You may actually have features and functionality in your current systems that would enable better communication of your employees, and you may not even know it. So right now, anyone listening to this, this is a good time to call your providers and go through that review with them to see what in the world you have and what you don't have. Yeah, I think what I would would sort of augment that with or supplement Trisha's comments were just some thoughts about getting the most out of your technologies. And in, in often in, in HR and workforce technologies, it becomes a matter of user adoption. Convincing people of the benefits of new technology and convincing them to actually use the technology, some of that is supported by your provider and, and largely influenced by the technology you choose. And then some of it, of course, is what the HR folks and the HR technology folks do inside the organization as well to to promote or position the new technology. But first and foremost, if you're not involving users early enough in the process and throughout the process, you could you could have some some trouble, of course. You really need to find out what employees need, learn about what they want, learn about what will help make their jobs better. 
And of course, when you're choosing technology as well, I think you need to think about just user friendliness and approachability just as much as you do functionality. You know, with the larger providers of HCM, payroll, benefits technology, there are differences, of course, right, in what they do. And you can stack them up one against the the next and against the next and do a really long RFP to uh, inquire about their capability and get to the end of that process and find, you know, they all kind of do the same things. And unless your organization is really unique or really special or in some weird kind of industry with weird processes, for the most part, you could probably choose one of five providers, right? And, and it'll, it'll, it'll meet most of your requirements. The difference uh, uh, in the success of that project, one of the key elements in the success is going to be whether or not people want to adopt the project. And that often comes down to approachability, usability, and capability, uh, maybe third. Uh, and the last thing I'll say about this is PwC did a, an interesting study in 2018. In fact, we did a show about this, Trish. I remember this very well. That's why I'm, I'm, and I found my reference. That's why. So I'm going to quote this. But they asked 12,000 people around the world, what motivates them to use new technology in the workplace? And the number one answer was to help them advance their careers or gain status in the organization was the the number one answer. 37% of people said that's the reason why they would adopt new technology. And there's a couple of other follow-ons that are, that are high as well, but they all fall into that. How does this new technology benefit me? Very selfish. I know we're all a bunch of selfish people, but if you can kind of communicate that, it, whatever the type of technology it is you're trying to employ into the organization and derive some benefits from, even though the benefits may be organizational in nature and the ROI calculations are all done on a macro level, et cetera, et cetera, you really got to make that case and communicate how whatever the technology is, it's going to help people themselves in their day-to-day and in their lives. And there's many ways it can help them. But if you're not focusing on that, you certainly can run into trouble with convincing people to adopt any new technology or any new features in an existing technology. What's in it for me, right? Yeah, it's still true. It sounds, it's boring and we've been talking about it for a long time, but it's still largely true in in enterprise technology. Speaking of being selfish and and from a technology (laughs) perspective, let's talk briefly about podcasting. Steve, particularly for you, in the 10 years plus now that you've been producing Happy Hour, you know, what have you seen change in the podcast world? And then for, I guess, for both of you, you what do you see coming for the medium? Do you see it changing? You know, where where are we headed? Well, what's different from my perspective uh, is, at least in our niche anyway, I I don't know that I want to I don't know. I have perspective on the overall industry of podcasting a little bit, but uh, in what we're doing, you know, from 2009 when we started this to, I don't know, 2015 or so, we probably were pretty much the only folks doing this on a regular basis. Now, there are many of these, which is great. And um, I think like any other uh, medium, there's kind of been a rush into it, especially since, and I'll, I'll peg it all to, and I, I can't remember the year it was, but, and maybe you guys listened to this one, but when that NPR uh, serial show came out, the first mm-hmm. version of it, I don't know what year that was, oh. 15 yeah. or so. It started, it was, you know, serial started well, podcasting, right? <laughs> I, I'd argue that, 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 that I'm rolling my eyes. I know you can't them, see me, but, uh, <laughs> There, we, but, but our show and probably a lot of shows that have been around for a while, certainly that particular show, that was a cultural phenomenon that kind of validated the, the medium to some extent to the point where quote unquote, just normal, regular average people became podcast listeners and who probably weren't before. I remember for many years, we would go around to events and we'd say, Hey, HR happy hour show. It's a podcast. I, I literally would go to events where I would have people hand me their iPhones and I'd have to show them on an iPhone 
how to open up their podcast app. It was called App Podcast. I don't know what it's called now. I don't have an iPhone, but whatever it was. And I, I would show them how to access the happy hour show and, and download it. Now we don't have to do that anymore, thankfully. So for me, the biggest change in, in the podcast space has just been the volume and, and just uh, like any other place, it's, it's a little bit more challenging to stand out and, and distinguish yourself from the noise, but, uh, but it's good. I mean, I'm glad that I'm glad that the, I'm glad that the medium itself is much more valid and much more lively. And we've seen it. I saw that tipping point when the serial stuff came out and now it's just a normal source of information that, HR people, business people of all kinds are, are consuming uh, on a regular basis. I don't know, Trish, what you have any thoughts about what's been changing in the last few years? For me, it's the length of time that people are interested. So um, I think offering options has been good, at least for our show. So for example, whenever Steve started it, it was a live podcast. It was on a certain night of the week. I would literally drop everything. I didn't care if I was at a kid's sporting event or whatever I was doing. I would absolutely make sure I was dialing in to hear it live. Now, the good part about that is there was a lot of interaction. You could be on Twitter at the same time. You could be sort of, quote unquote, talking to people at the well, same we, time. Yeah, and we used to take calls. I mean, we it was took, more like yeah. a radio show than a podcast. It was more yeah. like a radio show, which, and that's good. Yeah. And occasionally we'll still do that just because we we do miss that. It's harder with our jobs now to do it that way. So really, I think our shift was we moved to it being a true podcast. Not only did we cut down the amount of time, we kept it at 30 minutes or 40 minutes or ish. And some are longer and some are shorter, depending on the guests. But I think it was more that way we can record it whenever we want. And then people can listen whenever they want. And just it changed it up a little bit. Now it does change the dynamics, not having callers, not having live interaction really changed it for Steve and I, because we're, we're the kind of people that feed off that. So I think even in the way that you're doing it, where you have a co-host, that at least gives you that element of activity, of liveliness. Um, but now the shift is now even shorter format, right? So the Alexa show, that again, we start a lot of what we do just as like kind of a, a spur of the moment idea. And then we just like, oh, let's give it a shot. That thing has taken off. Um, and it's one of our favorite things to do. Now that's more like NPR style. It's either him or it's me. It's never us together. It's us taking one tiny topic and talking about it for two to three minutes. And people can get it as a flash briefing on Alexa. So I think, you know, if I'm advising anyone, cause he mentioned, you know, there's lots of podcasts in every industry that, that come and go like with anything you do, like with a blog or a podcast or whatever, you have to stick with it. We never, honestly, we never worry about people be like, oh, do you listen to every, you know, these 20 other things? No, we don't because, not because we don't like podcasting or we don't like them or we're worried. It's because they're going to come in and out so quick. If they come, like you guys have been around for a few years, that's probably rare or it is rare, right? In our industry to have something that lasts more than two years. Everybody else, like if somebody starts one today, I really don't worry about it because they're going to be gone in a year. Like they're going to come in and out and whatever. It's fine. So I would just say, if you want to get into podcasting, you got to go into it with the mindset, I'm going to do this. I'm going to stick with it. And the last thing I'll say is what keeps us in it, I think, is we always do the show for our own enjoyment, our own entertainment, first and foremost. If we're not interested in it, why in the world would anybody else be? So, But I think that's a mistake. If you look at a lot of vendors, for example, that are companies that start podcasts, they're doing it to get customers. They're doing it. They'll be like, oh, we've got to have this topic and we've got to do it this way in this same format every single time. You know what? That's not how people's brains work. Not really. Um, and so for that reason, Steve and I will do a show. We do movie shows. I, 
I love the Oscars. We do an Oscar show. That's like our most popular show of the year. <laughs> and we do NBA shows. We do. I view it like this. It's our podcast. I can get on there and talk about whatever I want. It does not have to be about HR. It may or may not have Steve on it. He may or may not have me on it. Like, that's what I'm saying. It's our show. We can be flexible. So I think the shows, the podcasts that do that, they're the ones that are going to last over time. Can I snip all that and send that to every <laughs> talent agent, podcast agent, producer, whoever asks me right. to put on their people that I don't give a rip about? Can I just take that and say, yeah, this is... <laughs> You can. You can. You know what? Here's here's the thing. On. When someone oh. makes a pitch to you and they're like, "Oh, you want to come on? I want to talk about my book or whatever." It's like, no. You know what? You can absolutely have John Doe on. He can talk about anything but that. <laughs> no, seriously. See if he'll. Yeah. Oh, come on. You know because it's it's yeah. about being right. real. Yes, it's interesting that we're in HR that we have experiences and we can give some insights. I think that's great, but it's also about being human and real. And people want to have more of that. They want more of you. They want to hear your personality. They really don't. Like, honestly, when Steve filibusters on his favorite cookies or something, (laughs) you want to know what we get comments on. That's it. That's it. I love your conversations about the colors of the year. That's (laughs) one of my favorites. Pantone. It's a thing. Our Pantone. Pantone That's it, though. I think people just want to, they want to relate to you. And if, if all we did was get on online and talk about HR technology. Ugh, how boring. How boring would that be? Or, <laughs> you know, I would yeah. I would do the payroll today podcast every single minute. But like <laughs> no one wants to hear me. Oh my word. <laughs> no one wants to hear me talk about payroll all the time. I think that's that's kind of spot on, you know, when you you just you have to keep adapting. I, I do have to say one of my favorite episodes that you guys did is you, you talked about Mr. Mom, that movie and the HR relation. <laughs> it's like, and I love that movie. I know it totally dates all of us, but that is, that's such a fun movie. And it's, there's so much, um, your guys' commentary on it was, was perfect. So I just, yeah, I love it when you talk about movies and you talk about Oscars and, and other stuff. Can I tell you on that one? It's funny. So we go off and watch these movies that we haven't seen in you know, 30 years or whatever. And, um, we don't talk, we don't prepare in advance. So those are always fun. I, I, I would say in general, the shows I think are the best are the ones where Steve and I do not script anything where we're just completely like, Oh gosh, what did we, what did we just step into? And, and there are some <laughs> bad ones. Like when we did flash dance, Oh my gosh, that like, you forget, you forget how bad, how bad some of this stuff is. But um, yeah, so that's, that's good advice too. Just, it's fine to have notes. Some, and some people went so scripted, but let it, let it flow. Like that's, yeah. I don't know. You never know what's going to happen. Well, speaking of scripts, this is the part in our script where we go into our half-hour question connection, which kind of gets into that, you know, get to know you type questions. And these are all, all these questions are for both of you. So first question, what career did you dream of having when you were a child? Well, I already told mine. So Steve, you go. You know, I don't really recall any one specific thing. Uh, I was a sports kid. So yeah, probably would have involved playing for the, the Mets or something like that uh, <laughs> until I um, till I realized I wasn't nearly uh, as talented as I could have been or needed to be. We're getting, we're getting baseball players. Player really? yeah, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, you're the third, Steve, you're the third person I, in the last I, I, month. I, I, I honestly just felt like I had to answer that. It wasn't probably <laughs> that. I don't really remember. So, 
Fair you need a new answer. You, you could have said yeah. professional wrestler. Yeah, you would have gotten excited about that. Make, make it creative. Like, I don't know. <laughs> Couldn't you have said something different? Like, I don't know, like a firefighter or I don't know. Nah, President. Yeah. We got to work it out, Steve. <laughs> okay. work out. Next time. Next time, Steve will have a better answer. Who's one person for each of you that you've gained in your network in the last year that you think more people should know? Oh, okay. So um, probably like the recency error, but I'm going to say it anyway. So just in the last week, I met Elena Valentine in person. Um, she is the CEO of Skill Scout, and she is amazing and inspiring. And so if anyone's not following her on Twitter, I think it's just Elena maybe underscore Valentine or Elena Valentine. Anyway, yeah. she, she is just lovely. She is smarter than probably most people I've met in the last year. I, I can't even think of anyone that's been just doing great things for her community and now the wider community in human resources. And just, she's got a great st- story. So I would check out her and Skill Scout. Boy, I'm like, I, you know, I should have looked at, I did look at these questions and I, I did think about this one. I don't really have a single person. I, last year, we were lucky enough to get to some international events, and hopefully uh, we'll get back to some of them again this year, depending on how things turn out. But folks we met uh, in Barcelona and Singapore and China. So for me, it, it's not really one person, but maybe it's a composite of just getting really extending out beyond the traditional network and the set of contacts that I've had for a long time in, in meeting folks in, in really other parts of the world. So many great, great people and, and smart people doing really, really cool things all over the place. And it opens up, uh, opened up my eyes quite a bit about uh, how sophisticated and advanced uh, a lot of the, a lot of the HR and HR tech is going on around the world. So for me, it, it's uh, some sort of amalgamation of uh, people we met in Singapore and China and Spain and wherever else we went. Steve, one I know that, um, that came to mind when you said that was Anthea Collier. Oh yeah, she was great. She was in Australia at the time. I know she's in Singapore now. She works for Randstad. So if anyone wants to follow Anthea, A-N-T-H-E-A, I don't know her exact Twitter handle, but I know I follow her. So she's, she's (laughs) again, I think you meet a lot of really smart people, especially when you're on the road, you can see them in person and um, just makes you want to connect with them more. So a new HR professional asks you for one piece of advice. What do you tell them? Uh, okay, I'll take that one, I guess, for now. Don't follow all the rules. Don't follow all the rules. It'll get you into trouble. Sometimes you will, you know, and I will say by nature, I am a rule follower, oddly. And uh, I'll follow like really silly rules. Like if my dentist tells me to do something, my goodness, I'm going to follow that to the letter. But in work, I think I think we're sort of raised and hopefully this is changing, but you know, we always listen to our boss. We always do what they say. We don't challenge. And the times that we do challenge, we're seen as being difficult. I wish I could go back and tell my younger self, like, do more of that. I did some of that. And I'll, I'll tell you, when I was in my 20s, I remember I was working at PwC and my boss was just like, you know, I, I was probably a little too bold and always wanted to change everything. Like, Oh my gosh, let's do this. Let's do that. Let's do the next thing. And he was like, calm yourself down. Like, seriously, you were, it's not possible. Right. It was like, follow the rules, just stay in your lane. Right. That kind of advice. And he came back to me just a couple of years ago and he said, you know what? I'm so glad that you did what you did. He goes, I wish I could be more like that. Can you help me now be more like that? I think young people, Challenge in a, in a polite way, but challenge for sure. 
Yeah, my answer is this, what is the answer I'd give anyone really who's going into any field, it, and it's it's really about curiosity. To me, that's the single most interesting kind of trait a person can have, and I also think that long term maybe one of the most valuable as well. Don't be afraid to get out of your lane and and read, seek out, explore. Don't don't feel like. Oh, to be a good HR person, I need to learn everything about HR. I mean, that those things help, but I'd want to engage with people who are interested in sociology and economics and art and philosophy or whatever it is, whatever is interesting to you, because I think you can find those parallels to the things that interest you and, and jazz you up back to the, the things that you're doing for work and for your career and, and, and hopefully make some connections there. And I think that's probably why when we do our shows, Sometimes the ones that we do, we enjoy the most and we get the most excitement out of. And some of the best shows are the ones that don't directly have anything to do with HR or, or workplace stuff. It, it's, it's, it's about stuff that's happening in the world that interests us, like colors or movies or sports or whatever. And we find a way to tie it back. So to me, curiosity is the number one thing I, I'd always uh, stress to folks. Steve, Trish, how do you both enjoy giving back to the HR or HR tech community at large? I feel like what we've done, or I'll speak for me anyway, what I, with the podcast and the blog before that and all the things we've done before that, for me, it was always half, you know, me trying to learn myself, but also trying to give back and share. So, I mean, we've, we've put so much content, uh, out into the world. Oh my God. I think sometimes people are like, enough of that, enough already, like, uh, shut up. But, um, for me, that's it. Like I always, always want to contribute, right? To just the, the knowledge base, to the, um, the set of information that's out there to try to, um, be, be a resource for people to, uh, who are interested in the stuff I'm interested in too. So I wouldn't be doing, we're up to 420 shows now, probably something like that. And, uh, I would have quit a really, really long time ago if I didn't find some enjoyment in that. You wanted to quit. I have wanted to quit many times. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't really say that earlier. That's why I joined the show. He was ready to throw in the towel. Might want to quit. Yeah. I might want to quit today, actually. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. No, I got I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> you know, for me, it's funny. I didn't really think of it that way. But for me, it's been more of out of frustration is why I started giving back even more. Um, when I think back to probably my the thing I'm most proud about was HR evolution. And that was purely out of frustration that HR professionals, I'm sure like many professionals, but anyway, HR professionals, we don't really, we weren't getting a lot of training I don't know if that's still the case because I'm not actually active in HR and a corporation anymore. But at the time, I couldn't get anybody to send me for training. I couldn't get anybody to pay a single dime for me to get any kind of connection. And so, you know, I wanted to go to SHRM so badly. And again, I'd been in HR for a long time. Every year I was like, can I please go to SHRM? Nope. You know, it's too expensive, this and that. And so out of pure frustration, it was like tweeting out like, you know what? I'm going to just start my own conference. I'm going to do my own thing. <laughs> and and ha But having... You know, the, the time was right, right? It was like 2009 on Twitter and, and having people like Steve, like Ben Eubanks, like Matt Stalick jump on board and be like, yep, we're going to do this. Crystal Peterson. And we just did it. I, I think there's something to say for that. Like where you just take something that you're not getting yourself and put it out into the world. I'm big right now. Like my kids even tease me. They're like, all you talk about is manifestation. No, it's real. It's a real thing. Like I literally will stand in my house and like be like, okay, world, this is what I want, need, whatever inspires me. And then I'll be damned if it doesn't like happen. Seriously. So that's what 
That's what I think giving back is. Figure out what is it that you're lacking and missing and wanting. There are a bunch of people out there missing that same thing. And you can absolutely then collaborate, make those new connections and bring something really cool to the world. And then oddly, sponsors will come. We never we never started out thinking like, oh, let's have an event. We never started out thinking like, oh gosh, who's going to pay for this event? It was just, oh, let's just get a bunch of people together and figure it out as we go. So giving back to our community is is more of that. It's that organic. We we all worry too much about strategy sometimes. I think everybody's like, oh, what's your, what's your strategic plan? And did you stick to it? And do you have a roadmap? And did you stick to it? You know what? Every I will say this. Everything great in my life has not had a strategic plan, has not had a specific roadmap. Every single move I've made that worked out really, really well, pure organic. So these next questions are pretty much the hardest ones you will answer all day. <laughs> At least that's what the <laughs> feedback we get. So what is your favorite movie? I want to hear what Steve says. Oh my gosh. Can you, can you narrow it down? I, I couldn't think of one. So I thought, I thought of the last movie I think I watched the other night on cable, which was Twister, 1996. Nice. <laughs> it's a good movie. A lot of action. I do like that movie. So I'm going to go with Twister. That's the first. I'm so disappointed in you, Steve. We've watched so many good movies. Yeah, but I couldn't choose from all those great movies that we've watched over the years. So you're going to pick a crappy one. All right. That's not a crappy movie. That's eminently rewatchable. (laughs) I can't can't even pick. See, this, okay. So, ah. All right. I'm I'm going to go against the grain because I'm I'm not a rule follower. Uh, I'm going to tell you just a few and quickly why. So I we work from home. Right. And so I need like background noise. So my go-to background noise movie, which is one of my favorite, I have two, it's either Shane or high noon, the original leveled Westerns. So that's my, like, if I had to pick movies that I can watch a million times, it's like that. It's like those. And then probably favorite is tombstone. Mm. I love Val Kilmer. The Val Kilmer. Okay. Yeah, that's that's my thing. So obviously, I like I love westerns, but yeah, I could watch those a million times. Recent movie is still Call Me by Your Name. That's another one I can watch it a million times. <laughs> and Steve knows I hated it when we did the Oscar. Very show good movie. Year. Yeah, I did. I, did I like refused that. to watch it. Remember, I refused to watch I, it. I, I recall. I think I had to talk you into giving it a chance, <laughs> as I recall. He did. He had to talk me into it. Now I've watched it a million times. Those are my movies. On that same track, how about your favorite? musician or band i didn't really have one john so i thought about the last one he listened to was listen to music very much at all in the last 27 years true that's kind of true so you listen to like all these obscure alternative things yeah but none of them are my favorite so i'm gonna go with I'm going to have, I'll go with Joy Division because I'll have to, we've had the same bumper music for the podcast for forever. One of the songs is uh, from the great legendary uh, English uh, band Joy Division. So I will go with them. Wow. I love Prince. I think he's amazing. He's my probably all time favorite, but in terms of bands that I can actually still go see and love, 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 it's Coldplay all day long. I will, I've literally seen them so many times and I will drive anywhere with my kids and go drive, fly, whatever. If they come, I'm there. Love them. How about a favorite TV show? I'm going to go first because I have a feeling I know Steve's answer is I don't have a favorite TV show. I know. I'm very boring. (laughs) (laughs) 
Okay. I like any right now. I like any reality show except the bachelor. I'm not a bachelor person, but I like reality shows. And the reason I do like I'm huge love Island, like the original love Island UK version. <laughs> love Island cannot get enough. And um, like love is blind. The new it's on Netflix, right? Everyone's watching love Everyone's is blind. Talking about that, yeah. We're like alone. And here's why. It goes back to HR. It's because maybe that's why I majored in like sociology. I love to know why people behave the way they do. And so <laughs> like, so it doesn't matter if they're trying to figure out love or whatever. It's more about the interactions of people and seeing it not scripted that I love. So any show literally that or is less scripted, seeing people interact and kind of like forgetting they have microphones on after a certain amount of time. And then you see them kind of get real back to like the real world. Did you guys used to watch real world on MTV? Yes, I did. Back in the day? Like that, yeah. right? Like that, that, yeah. That's oh, yeah. it. Anything like that is super interesting to me. All right, Steve, what do you got? Um, yeah, I don't, I don't really have one. So I <laughs> thought about, uh, I don't watch a ton of TV other than sports. And okay. so I guess I, I did like Dairy Girls on Netflix. I watched that. And so well, I guess I would, I don't know if that's my favorite, but it's quite good. And I recommend that's a good it. Show. It's got two seasons on Netflix and, believe a third one is uh, in the works. In this case, if you're, Steve, you're, you don't have any favorites, but when you're not doing your favorite movies or listening to your favorite bands or television, what do you, what have each of you like to do outside of work? Well, that's easy. That's very easy. All I, right. There's only three, there's, I did prepare this answer. <laughs> there's only three things outside of what I do that I'm interested in, which is uh, Japanese woodblock art, football, but only the Canadian version. And um, Singaporean street food. Those are the that's the three things I care about. And Have you given the XFL a chance, Steve? <laughs> no, I don't, okay. I, I, and I will not. You love that fifty-five yard line, huh? I feel like I'm winning so much. Yeah, I think the Canadians are on to something. It'll catch on. <laughs> Your turn, Trish. You answer. I feel like my answer should be. I feel like I should be like I do nothing. I do nothing outside of HR. I love HR so much. Um, <laughs> no. Okay. So I, I love the garden and I'm really excited. It's almost that time of year again. And um, honestly, I just love to watch my kids play sports. I'm like so into that. So anytime they do that, I'm super proud. And I try to, um, I will say this, that's what I love about working the way I do now. So working from home, working remote, I can literally schedule my schedule, my calendar around a lot of their sports, which I love. And I wasn't able to do that for so, so long when they were little. That's kind of how I spend my time. That's awesome. I love it. Finally, it is HR happy hour day all around the world. What are we doing to celebrate? Steve, I got this and you're going to agree with me. You ready? (laughs) The entire world is drinking sweet vermouth on the rock (laughs) with a twist of orange and raise the glass to the I understand what this question was, but yeah, that's a, I'll, that's my answer too. Same answer. Fair enough. I, I think that's the first time anybody's been so specific we, about sweet vermouth. vermouth. That's good. Yes, I love you know, it. Because, you know, here's the deal. In this country, like, nobody drinks that as a drink. I think it's like, like, everyone should be doing this, right? It's, but yeah, in Europe, that's what you do. You drink, you okay. can actually drink sweet vermouth all day long, but by itself. Here, we only mix it with things. So odd. Interesting. Yeah, I, I will have to try go, that. Go to any bar. Have you ever had sweet vermouth? Not I on its not. own, no. Okay, so all it is is it's red wine. Tip, well, you can get it in white too, but like fortified with like herbs and brandy usually. 
And it's an alcohol, but I guarantee if you go to like your local bar or Applebee's or somewhere and you ask for just sweet vermouth on the rocks, they're going to like, it's by martini usually. They're going to look at you like you're crazy. Then they're going to tell you it's a mixer and it's not an alcohol and all these other things. And I'm like, no, it's, it's an alcohol. Go to Europe. You can find it in, they have vermouth bars. There's a, a winery here in South Dakota, actually not too far from where I am. They obviously are making sweet vermouth because they're making red wine fortified with brandy. Oh, so send me the name. Have, send me uh, the name. Yeah, I will. I'll have to I remember try which some. one it is. Okay. I want to try yeah. some from the U.S. I think that would be amazing. Yeah. Um, I think I'm trying to remember. I think the one I had was called Brown Cow. Ooh. All right. I'm making notes. Yeah. I'll, but I'll have to remember the name of the which winery it is that has it. Because there's two or three near me, which, yes, is unusual for South Dakota. But that's probably why they started doing adding the brandy. <laughs> Interesting. Well, you know, it's, it's a medicinal. Typically, uh, you know, people, mm-hmm. it's, it's you're supposed to drink it before you eat an aperitif, if you will, to aid digestion. I'll, I'll find which winery it is and send it to you. Awesome. That's exciting. And, it, you know, if we get, if we actually end up in San Diego at the same time, maybe I'll bring a bottle for you. Yeah, there you go. Well, I feel like we need them to sponsor both the podcasts. <laughs> there we go. I, we'll get my bar, my, From my bar, to and then uh, the winery to sponsor. Yes. Exactly. Love it. <laughs> Love it. Steve, Trish, first off, thank you for helping in the open. I can't thank you enough for that. It's all right, man. Uh, again, yeah. <laughs> really appreciate your time. Again, we, as I mentioned, we fan, I, I fanboyed. I think I think it's fair to say Wendy fangirled out when we had the opportunity to get together with you. you know, we, when we started two years ago, obviously, yep. you were one of the shows we looked to and so respect and appreciate everything you've done for the community at large, for HR podcasting in general. I can't imagine that there are listeners to this show that aren't following you now, but if they are not, and if they've heard you and want to connect now, what's the best way for them to find you out there? Really just come to uh, hrhappyhour.net or follow us on Twitter. Both of our names, either Steve Bowes or Trish McFarland. Or at HR Happy Hour. That's it. I, I actually tweet more on the Happy Hour account sure. than I do on my own account these days. So that's, that's probably it. true. We'll have that in the show notes. Wendy, how about you? What's the best way for listeners to find you? Yeah, sure. Best way is my blog, mydailyjourney.com, daily, D as in dog, A-I-L-E-Y. And of course, second and fourth Sunday of each month, 7 p.m. Eastern time. Please join us for the HR Social Hour Twitter chat. How about you, John? JohnThurman.com. And if you're looking for the show, hrsocialhourpodcast.podbean.com. Listen, rate, review. If you're an international listener, we'd love to send you a gift. Send us a note. Let us know you're listening. want to send you something for being part of the community. Again, Trish, Steve, thank you so much for your time. Look forward to being part of your show very soon as well. For the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast, I'm John. And I'm Wendy. And as always, be sure to connect. Give back. And network. network. Take care, everybody. We'll see you all soon.